Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. All right. Welcome to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Nicole Saunders. Nicole, how are you today? I'm good. We're, we're recording a little early. I've got coffee instead of beer today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I already drank my coffee and I had some water, but but it is a Samuel Adams cup. I, I can't, oh, there it, we go. It counts. Yeah, it, it counts. counts. <laughs> so I had water in it, but that's, you know, uh, and, and I changed my background. So I thought I'd do a little bit I of see that. promoting, you know, peers over beers. And who knows, I maybe I'll have something later. I just like to play around with stuff and see what happens. You know, I don't oh. know. Anyways. So we were, we're talking a lot about a lot of things. One is you're going on vacation, so that's pretty cool. I am, yeah. Yeah, anything and that's fun? Colorado. Oh. We're gonna go. We're gonna go skiing in Colorado. So um, this for people watching the video, this is this picture here is actually when I I painted at one of those like paint night classes where you go to a bar and, yeah. and do something. <laughs> and a bar. This is oh. this is not the picture that they had painted that day, but it was a mountain scene, and this was um, a picture that I'd actually taken in Colorado. And so I went oh. ahead and painted the mountain. So I'm going. I'm going here. That's where I'm headed. <laughs> Sweet. And you're a painter. So I didn't know that. Um, only really by a hobby. Pretty much the the paint night things. My mother picked up painting at age 65 and we get in it going to these classes together and she's like now taking art classes and doing all these things. It's amazing. That's crazy. Are you, yeah. So do you go to like bars and paint? Cause I that's... used to back, you know, okay. pre-COVID. <laughs> they actually have been doing them virtually now. So it's actually been kind of fun to like set up in my kitchen and be doing a little painting. Do you have like a little buzz going on or is that not really thing? You know, like no, I, I do not find that the alcohol helps me. Oh. <laughs> As an artist, okay. so I've been sticking the sparkling <laughs> waters. <laughs> I do like sparkling water. You know, we could get into that, but let's not. Um, well, good for you for going on vacation. I think that's so important is to kind of allow yourself to, to get out and not think so much about work, although, you know, maybe you will, but hopefully you don't. It is it is so important. I haven't had a really, truly good break since the pandemic started, so I'm, I'm very excited to, to go do it. That being said... I have one employee in Denver, so I might I might say hello to him when I'm out there. But yeah, why not? Purely I mean, purely social. <laughs> yeah, have a beer or something or coffee. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever it depends. You know what <laughs> what time of day. Um, yeah. So we were talking about a couple of things. One was, and we don't have to get into this, but it was interesting. Is when you leave to go on vacation, you know, and you have employees. You know, it's probably a little bit, especially pre-COVID. Probably haven't gone a lot of places since then, maybe, but you know, kind of leaving them to fend for themselves in a way, right? Yeah, I actually, so, you know, on the one hand, it, uh, it, we, what we were talking about a little earlier is, you know, it makes me a little bit more nervous than when I was a team of one, because when I was yeah. a team of one, I knew exactly what was or wasn't going to be happening while I was out. <laughs> and when you manage people, it's a little bit more of letting it go. On the other hand, of course, it's, it's great to have people that are going to keep everything moving forward and, and, and that kind of thing. And I think it's a good opportunity. I think it's important for leaders to leave their teams to kind of fend for themselves from time to time. Because I think people, they get a better sense of what meetings are happening because they got to jump in or they really sort of figure out how to do things independently. Um, I also think it's a great time for skip levels. So I always encourage my team to schedule meetings with my boss while I'm out. Ooh, uh, I it's like a great it. time for them to connect and, and kind of do that sort of thing. So yeah. Do you find that some um, people are a little bit more motivated to do that kind of stuff than others? I assume. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got their things that they're more or less comfortable with. Um, yeah. But I, I try to push everybody to make that make that effort while I'm out. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And um, the other thing that we were talking about, which I think we'll spend a lot of time on this episode, is kind of thinking about going into a uh, an existing community. Like if you're one is be offered a job like for you you're at Zendesk and you kind of came into an existing community with an existing culture and it was Mm -hmm. I don't know how big it was but it had you know several members or users and things like that so you know it was pretty established but you know we don't we don't hear about this a lot is you know you're seeing like you you mentioned pre-show is there's a lot of um, jobs out there senior roles that they want them to come in to either relaunch uh, a community that's been existing for a long time or go in there and create programs and, and those kinds of things, you know, so wanted to dive in a little bit deeper in that particular conversation, because we don't hear a lot about that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it is really interesting. You know, one of the things that I'm loving seeing in the comedians right now is that there are a lot more leadership roles, you're starting to see more heads of community, director roles like mine, even VPs yeah. of community. Um, and in many cases, they're not hiring somebody at that level to come in and launch something new, right? And it is taking an established community. And, and in some cases, it's re- reinvigorating something that's gone kind of dead. But in other cases, it's, you know, walking into a fully fledged community that mm-hmm. has a culture, that has programs, that has all these things established. And, you know, oftentimes they're wanting it to go in a new direction or, or, or do something a little different with it. But there's just not, there's not a ton of material out there yet about how to step into that kind of role. Most of the, the content and the education for community managers focuses on those early stages of planning and yeah. starting and launching and getting people excited. And so I'm really interested to start having more conversations around how do you come into an existing space and do something with it? And what is that all about? What, what does the strategy look like there? So I think it's a really interesting challenge, especially if you're trying to change a culture in a well-established community. And now it's not just what the company is trying to put out there, but it's, it's working with all of the existing members and all the existing programs. You know what I've heard, and, and you know, let's get into some of the things that you might think about, but I also think, one, it depends on the community, right? Like, is it a mm-hmm. support community and they want to move the support community to be more of a peer-to-peer community or, you know, my thinking is, well, do you really want to move the support community? Because there's probably some value there, but how do you also kind of create this, you know, uh, maybe it's uh, uh, this thought leadership type, peer-to-peer type, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever that is. But, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've heard that, you know, when when a community is there, that I hear people say, well, you know, right now we just have a support community. You know, we really want to start this peer-to-peer networking, you know, and a lot of times you hear that from marketing because marketing wants the leads and everything else and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I started thinking about that a lot, you know, what is a peer-to-peer community and moving it from, you know, a support to peer-to-peer and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know, I'm getting off a little bit, but, um, but I do think that sometimes that's kind of where that comes from and it could come from, and, and usually it's from marketing and, and maybe it used to be in like a customer support customer org, you know, type of stuff. I don't know. What are you hearing and what are your thoughts around kind of going into a, a, a community that is maybe focused in on one area, but once kind of, they want to move to that other area. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, that's, that's what I came into at Zendesk. It was very much a, our community lives on our help center. It's there for yeah. our free customers to ask questions and that's where they get support. And that is the role of the community. And to be fair, that's not a bad role for a community, but I think the challenge is that a lot of people, um, and, and by people from being executives or, you know, the people that are looking at like, what is, what's the strategic positioning of the community? What, what is the role that yeah. it plays in our ecosystem? A lot of the promise of communities is that you're going to have all these users. They're going to be talking to each other and supporting each other mm -hmm. and sharing all these ideas and insights and all this product feedback. And then they launch, you know, like a Q&A support forum. And what yep. they see is a lot of users that come once or twice a year and ask mm -hmm. a question and it gets answered and then they go on their way. And it's sort of this interesting thing where, you know, people are looking for these communities that are really like thriving, really growing, but then they've set up something that's very transactional and like mm -hmm. why would you go there if it wasn't just to get a question answered yep. and I mean there's a lot to be done in support communities to build up you know motivating other people to answer things but it's true and it's you know something that we've been working with very heavily at Zendesk is how do we maintain the integrity of that great mm -hmm. you know peer-to-peer -peer support and the the we don't like to call it ticket deflection we call it ticket interception um mm -hmm. that we you know the the support that happens in the community but then also build it out so that you're not just answering transactional questions, but having other kinds of conversations. And I think the other interesting question there is, how do you drive users to the community for more than just when they have a problem? Yeah. Right? How do you create an atmosphere where people aren't just showing up when they're stuck or they're frustrated, but also when they have an idea or when they want to just sort of discuss? Um, so yeah, it's an interesting challenge. You know, for us, it's been a lot of, um, some of it's just changing how you position things on the site, right? Like what's what's the copy? How do you introduce people mm. to it? But for us, a lot of it has been launching new programs and expanding the content types that we offer and what is encompassed by community. Um, moving from just being a forum into a fully fledged set of programs. So we're launching user groups and we do virtual events now and all of these things that weren't happening before in the community. I'm writing all this down because it's good stuff. Um, <laughs> I see you taking notes. <laughs> taking notes, but yeah, I have the recording. It's recorded. Yeah. I was going to say, you can listen to it later. No, it, it also helps me to kind of think about some of the things that you're saying because mm -hmm. um, I like, so I'm going to kind of, well, I'll, I'll dive in here because I think one is ticket yeah. interception. I, I love that. It's, it's a great idea because um, it's just kind of the deflection piece is, I don't know, it just seems overused and everything else. Well, it's um, not that you don't want your customers to ask questions. You just want to get them yeah. answered in a different way, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that 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 is inter interesting. So the interception piece is more of, hey, you know, if we kind of put it that way, then it's a different way to answer. Is that right? Or what? Tell me a little bit more about interception. I think it just changes the goal, right? Mm. And I think our our tendency has been, uh, it, I mean, this is totally like a semantic thing, right? <laughs> but. Yeah. Deflection sort of implies that you're trying to prevent your customers from getting in touch with you, right? Or like you're trying mm -hmm. to prevent that question from hitting support, which I guess you are, but it's not that we don't want to still have that conversation with them. It's just that we want to have that conversation in that public forum yeah. where that information can then be available in other ways. Um, I think it's also a recognition that most people don't have one question and show up and either get an gets answered or not. Most people are working through something yeah, and you might get 
part of the answer in the forum and then find a part where you're like, well, okay, we got you two thirds of the way here, but now you're going to actually need to talk to an agent to get these mm -hmm. last couple of nuggets or these specifics for your account or something. And so we're intercepting the question. We're getting some of it answered, but it recognizes that a lot of those conversations are more complex and it's not just going to be That's right. a bounce away, but in fact, it might be sort of like a network of people that like work on answering this user. I like that. And, you know, let's be clear. I think there's a huge value in, um, in support communities. So, you know, let's, oh, yeah, me too. people are, you know, whenever, you know, I hear like uh, executives talk about, well, we have this support community. Well, there's some value there and people are yeah. going there for a reason. And then if you look at even, um, you know, some opportunity for the business is it's all about, you know, if it's open and public, it's all about getting that answer quickly from Google. Cause where do people search at the end of the day, it's Google, you know? So, um, totally. Yeah. So there is a huge opportunity and, and for me, you know, that's what we have today, but I am also thinking about, um, kind of that next step of, you know, the different, it's a different user. So today our, 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 um, uh, community and our product is very kind of complex, right? I mean, it's extremely complex. And so definitely a community that teaches people how to use it and things that they didn't know, go deep into the product and write even blogs and content, you know, videos and all these kinds of things is highly important. So that's now established, but now it's kind of thinking about, well, that's good. You know, I, I like that, but I want to start thinking about brand awareness. I want to think of, think about, you know, networking. I want to start thinking about, you know, like we do today, for example, you and I are talking. I also talk to others that are leaders within the community space to get the, the word out, to show people how we use it. So I want to start doing that with the Realtio community or whatever I call it, right? You know, it's, it's, we're going to have the support community, but I want to start getting data people together, whether they're CIOs, CDOs, or directors of data governance or whatever, talking about not Reltio per se, but more about, you know, how they solve data problems at the end of the day. Could be other technologies, could be, you know, just uh, putting a strategy together, could be all those kinds of things. And I want to have conversations like this. I want to just talk to them. And, and, and then I want to start building content around that. Because really, you think about how much bigger that uh, opportunity is rather than um, just that support community that is solving the, the, the product problem. That's all we're talking about is the product and the problems that people are having. It's good. And we want to continue to solve that. And we want to solve that at scale because at the end of the day, you know, our support agents aren't going to be able to handle that scale as we get bigger and bigger and bigger. But I also want to be kind of this encompassing community that, you know, I'm allowing our customers, our potential customers, our, you know, the data um, uh, influencers out there, bringing those people together and, and, ex and having those exciting conversations about the data problems that people are trying to solve. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, your, your customers or, or, you know, whoever's your audience are always going to have questions about the thing you do. Yeah. But it's, it's always going to be tied to what they're trying to do with it, right? Yeah. What's what's yeah. their business problem with their other things? And, you know, people absolutely need those answers to those technical questions. Yep. But they also want to know how to connect that into their bigger business problems or their, you know, whatever. Again, depending on your kind of community, I'm always thinking about the, the B2B use case, but I yeah. think it applies for any kind of community where, you know, there's, there's the support piece, but then there's also the talking about the broader thing. And not that every brand community has to become 
the destination for their type of audience, right? Some some groups do that really well, become the destination for you know content marketers and yeah. even people that don't use the product still come to that community for that resource. And I don't know that you have to go that far, right? Um, I think it's great when when companies are able to do that. But you do need to be able to talk about those bigger conversations of not just like, hey, how do I use, you know, like present us, yeah. how do I use this to do ticketing? But like, well, what's the best way to do that, right? And how, mm-hmm. how should I structure my support organization? How mm-hmm. should I scale my support yeah. organization and, and set up Zendesk in a way that scales with it and that kind of thing? Um, so those are some of the things that we look at. You know, it's, it's interesting because part of my debate has been how big the role of the forum is, right? And is it that mm. the forum is the Q&A place and these other mm. conversations make more sense in virtual events, in podcasts, in more synchronous mm. conversations um, and sort of have trying to understand like how much of that can happen in the written format in the forums. And some of that I think depends on your technology, your tool and how, how much it enables that kind of thing as well. But, um, yeah. and some of it may depend on the audience too. But I've I've definitely seen like there's a lot of a lot of organizations that have that support forum in place and trying to pivot that it's like a big heavy ship in the middle of waves in the ocean. It's very hard to, I think, get all of those users and that culture that's built up in the community to shift. And I think you can do it. Um, but it either ha- happens very slowly and incrementally over time with a lot of concerted effort. Or the other thing that I've seen that's successful is when people actually like turn the lights off for a period of time, whether overnight or a week or two, and then come back and do a relaunch and a full like, okay, we're doing things differently. We've got a different structure. We've got different design, all of these things. And in that sense, kind of go back to a lot of the material we were talking about at the beginning of how do you launch a community, right? And treating it almost as though you're launching a new community with a bunch of existing content and people ready to go. You know what I've been thinking about, and I this, and I'm not sure if it's, I never know if it's the right thing to do. You just kind of try it. But yeah. so with our platform, uh, we can have, we have multiple licenses. So I could have this community over here and then I can do this. I don't know if it's a subdomain or they give me additional domains or whatever. Um, and I could start another community over here. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and then it looks, you can design it differently. You can design it. So my thought is maybe it's, two communities that still funnels into the same data and everything else. But from a customer standpoint, you know, you could, or from a user standpoint, it looks different. It's called something different, has different URL, but it's, you know, from the same platform, you can, you can create some logic in the, the back end to kind of separate the two. Right. And then, yeah. you know, start creating, it is from scratch, but more of a kind of a, whatever type of community peer to peer, or, you know, that, um, you know, uh, higher level type of conversations, right? Because I believe that, and, and I've asked several people on our community today, again, it's the support community. And I'm, I'm like, well, what business problems are you trying to solve with um, RealTO master data management? I don't know. You had to ask the business people, you know, and I'm like, well, you're, you're in this thing all day long and, and you're using it and you don't know why you're using it no, I'm just trying to implement it or I'm trying to, you know, the tech kind of people, you know, doing stuff. And I'm just like, okay, so that audience probably will never be the right audience. I'm not saying you can't help them understand like kind of business outcomes and goals and things like that, but it's a different people, right? Like, so if this person's a, you know, admin for a RealTO MDM and they're doing some stuff, 
probably not the same as a director of enterprise architecture or you know a CDO or whatever director of whatever the data governance or something that they're yes they use Realtio but so I I think I wonder if it would be a relaunch not a relaunch but a new launch in a mm -hmm. sense because depending on your like for us I don't know I would want to take away that support forum right but, um, so kind of keep that as is in a way but have somebody else manage it not Chris Detzel so somebody manages that piece but then I can go off and do these other things that really kind of you know I, I'm just thinking out loud but I, I think you know the experience and and the people that you're trying to you know, uh, you know, from a peer-to-peer -peer type stuff are different. I'm not saying you can't do peer-to-peer -peer for support forums and things. You can, and I'm trying to do some of that. But um, when you want that higher level conversations, I think it's one is probably a different audience. You know what I mean? Well, it comes down to knowing what those like different personas yeah. are in your yeah. community, right? And yeah. yep. somebody that is a, mm -hmm. you know, support agent that's trying to implement a tool versus a, you know, director, director of support or something or like that. Like VP those are going to be different offerings. And so, yeah. you know, I think the question is, do you have different offerings in the same community space? Do you have different community yeah. spaces? In some cases yeah. we have all together different programs, you know, for example, yeah. um, mm. a lot of the executives that we talk to, they want community in the sense that they want to talk to other Connect. executives who are also yeah. customers of our business, but they don't want to go spend time on forums. And no, so not, never even do that. Right. And so, the community offering there is, you know, a curated time boxed conversational yep. meeting that we set up for them as opposed to forums. That, that's still community. That's still their offering for community. It's what fits for their persona. Yep. And so I think that's the question is like really understanding like what are all the different personas you serve hmm. and what is the appropriate community offering for that group and, and helping to build and develop that. And, you know, so maybe what we're really calling out here is that a lot of places tend to have community that serves one persona really effectively. And then when you start adding on the other personas, you can't just sort of like rinse and repeat. You have to yeah. figure out how to curate something specific to that audience and, and what their needs and interests is, are. I think it's like, you can look at it as a, a product, right? Like, mm -hmm. yep. you know, product for, you know, a curation for executives in this space, a program for these people in this space, a program for, you know what I mean? Like, and you can do it by roles or I don't know, whatever, but I think you're right is it all depends on your audience and having that narrowed it down and who those people are. Um, I, it, there's so, so much things to, to talk about because you're right. My, my thought is, and, and I think you've said this before because you kind of a content person in the past and probably mm -hmm. still do a lot of that. Um, is even those higher level conversations, how do you capture that? And how do you get, you know, um, can you record it? Can you, you know, uh, have, you know, write those, if it's blogs, then write those blogs on the behalf of that person that said these things, you know, or you know, that's why I think podcasts or webinars or those kinds of things are very, um, from a content standpoint, are very valuable and very helpful because you can, you can just get, all kinds of quick hit videos, videos, sound bites, blog content, Q and A. I mean, you can get a lot of shit, you know, from just one piece of one one program. You know what I mean? Like, and so Absolutely. Yeah. that those are things I think about a lot because you know, I guess when you're just you know, a few people, one person, whatever, you know, you've got to kind of be scrappy, and you know, uh, eventually you've got to become more strategic than scrappy. But you know, still. I'm not there yet, right? But 
I don't know. I, I, I think to me, it's always about capturing that stuff and then starting to get it out to the public and, and to the, you know, the branded stuff, you know, and I don't know. I mean, just think of a lot of things. I, yeah, I think that's super important. You know, we've been talking about that a lot on our team. Is, uh, we've been talking about certain terms, like what are the artifacts that get yeah. produced out of all of this stuff? And, you know, we put so much effort into putting together something like a webinar or a roundtable yeah. discussion or something. It should be more than just that one-time thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, obviously the low-hanging fruit is like, okay, we'll make that on demand. And then yeah. think about how you share that on-demand piece. And then one of the things we've looked at doing is... Um, getting a written transcript and identifying, yep. hey, are there snippets of this that we should cut out and be like, here's a, a, an encapsulated question and answer. Is there a support article that video could get embedded in? Yeah. Should we write a support article, you know, and publish it in the help center that says that? And, um, you know, one of the things I've been kind of playing with on and off for a couple of years is how can we start to give credit to the community members who mm -hmm. contribute knowledge that we eventually turn into a knowledge base article, right? Where we're, we're crowdsourcing the information that we're starting to present in our official documentation. Um, and that's something that you know, I'm still wanting to build out and, and figure out really how to build it out at scale. But I think it's really interesting when you can start to bring in that knowledge and then surface it and promote it on their behalf too. And so there's, you know, all of these community conversations, they're so rich and it's so important to think about what is the next step and how are you going to take that even further and continue to surface it and highlight it and make use of it. And uh, I think you get a lot Absolutely. more bang for your buck when you start looking at things that way. Yeah, I think I'm always about curation. Just, you know, what is, you get all this content and, and you solve a big problem. So I'll give you an example is one of the big problems that we have is a lot of big problems in the product is this thing called workflow uh, management. And so, you know, how do you build workflows? How do you do all this other stuff? And yeah. for the last, I don't know, eight months, the number one search word on the community platform is workflow. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we can do some workflow stuff, you know, questions, answers, videos, whatever. And so I've been maniacally focused in on, you know, workflow management, workflow, how, do, how does it work, you know, and all this stuff. And so you know, just recently now I have, we did a um, webinar, just basically a community show is what I call it uh, in December. And from that one community show, I have four blog articles. The last one went out, or the yeah, the fourth one went out today. I captured that Q and A, pushed that out on you know uh, the community, and then I did another um, had another expert do a in depth you know kind of just this really technical workflow uh, thing you know uh, webinar. And then you know what I will do is create a page, one pager that has all the blogs, the videos, the Q and A. So you curate all that stuff, and then over time, it's going to be the number one search thing, not just on uh, our community, but probably on Google as well. And I, I think it's important to not not just push out that content, but find it, you know, make it easy for your um, guests and, and folks to get by creating those one pagers or whatever with all that rich content on that one topic. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, sorry, I just got off there, but I do think it's important to really maniacally focus on what the problem is just one or two little Q and A's is not going to work. You know, it helps, I guess, but you know, how do you just kind of solve that problem just in one big chunk? Here's the problem. You get there you get, over time, you know, it took us months <laughs> to get all those blogs because, you know, it's going back and forth, but you know, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is um, five months from now, you know, or three months from now, we're going to have so much content on that topic that, Hey, you know, this community thing is, is doing really well. Um, 
And, and I want to figure out a way to start capturing that at the higher levels. You know, whenever I have a Realtio executive council and you have CIO and CDO talking about all kinds of cool stuff, you know what I mean? And, and you're like, you know, I've written down some shit, but you know, like, how do I do the same? You know, I want to do the same thing right. that I'm doing with the, because for some reason it's easier with this, you know, uh, community that I have today that maybe there's just so much content around it and people are more willing to share or our organization is smart in that stuff, you know, but how do you go outside of that, you know, to do that? And the last thing I'll say is, because you mentioned this and I think it's important piece is I'm starting to get or push customers to present and, and maybe like this one guy, he's a director of technical architecture or something like that, you know, at one of our companies. And he said, Chris, I'll do it. So he's going to present, you know, how RELTIO, MDM and the business outcomes, how it's changed, what they are, you know, the implementation all these kinds of cool things. And I was like, perfect. I'm going to write two or three blogs around that on his behalf. I'm going to get this Q and A that people ask video. I'm going to throw some, you know, I already know that I'm going to, produce lots of content on his behalf. So that's, that's our first time to ever do that, you know, and, and I'm so excited about it. Hopefully it doesn't cancel, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, it's on the books and stuff. So I think, you know, trying to think about that, but at the higher levels is, is for some reason harder. I don't know. Well, you know, to kind of bring it full circle with like our conversation about serving all the different personas, really what it sounds like we're talking about is figuring out what kinds of engagement work for each persona or each group. And then building out the content motion around that and starting to figure yeah. out how can you have some of those repeatable processes and how can you replicate some of the things where maybe this audience mostly engages in the forum and this audience yeah. mostly engages in webinars and this one mostly engages in more like round table discussions. But then how do you pull the same kinds of information out of each of those yeah. and share it back out? Because there are probably learnings from that executive round table of course. that are relevant to other audiences, but those audiences aren't gonna ever get to go to that round table. So you're gonna figure out how do you, how do I publish that? How do I share that? How do I generate that conversation for this other group and, and get them talking about those those topics that are relevant to them? So uh, that's yeah. exactly right. You know, just just something simple like building out that kind of ecosystem. <laughs> Nothing to it, right? <laughs> you know, it's it, I, it's weird because you know, I can go into an organization easily and start building out a community. I know exactly what to do. I know all those things. But, you know, one thing that, you know, is, I don't know if it's difficult, but because if you're doing it about the product, we have, I can find product information, whether it's on, you know, there's different parts of the organization. There's some smart people that know all about the product and how to use it. There's, you know, there's probably videos somewhere that I can use and, and redo or write some stuff around. But, there's nothing around thought leadership and nothing around, you know, we have one or two thought leaders in our organization. You can't rely on the CTO and founder for all of that content. You know what I mean? You have to, right. yeah. so, so the harder part is, is thinking about going outside of the organization and finding it could be customers, which is a little harder, but it's still, you know, probably easier than finding non-customers, right? You know, because, and then there's are probably people you can pay to do that, that are thought leaders in that, or maybe they want to be part of whatever you're trying to do. But, you know, those relationships and those conversations at our level is, is hard. You know, like, I'm not saying you can't do it. We're doing it today. We're making content for our, for leaders and, and community managers that, you know, that want to learn about community things. But, um, 
even that's hard, right? Somebody has to kind of go out and say, Nicole, do you want to do this? So-and-so, do you want to do this? Or whatever, right? And uh, But doing that for your organization, I mean, why couldn't it work? You know what I mean? Like how, if I spent all my time just calling people or emailing people or LinkedIn people saying, hey, Nicole, you know, you're, you're a data governance guru, you know, let's get on the phone and record this conversation. It's that easy. But I mean, there's still yeah. all of that setup and everything else you have to do, you know? Well, that's, I think about this a lot with me is like, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that complex. It's, yeah, it's not getting people to talk to each other and share information that's useful to both of them. But that doesn't mean it's not hard, right? And it's because it's time intensive. And, you know, I, I think I might even have mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts, but I saw uh, David Spinks posted on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. He's been doing a lot of these sort of like little quips or one-liners about community. And he was saying, you know, community is built by things, doing things that don't scale, right? Mm-hmm. It's those high touch activities. And it's so true. And that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what makes it hard. And, and really sort of the brilliance of community teams is how do you do so much with a handful of people? How do you engage tens or hundreds of thousands of customers and have these conversations and generate all of this content with a handful of people? Three or four people or whatever, right? Yeah. 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 And, and that's really, I think the magic of, of what community managers do is they figure out how to support all of these different things. And I mean, you know, you think about it, it's like, we're supporting answering support questions in a forum, we're producing video content, we're producing written content, we're producing events, we're doing user recognitions, we're doing round hit, you know, there's- It's fucking crazy. So many functions, <laughs> it's, it's wearing it's, all of the hats, right? <laughs> it's insane, it is. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of community, but, you know, I think kind of to bring that around is, you know, we one have, have to focus in on the things that are gonna matter the most, one, to yes. our, community, but also to the organization. So you got to also think about business outcomes, business impact versus also, you know, your community. So your community itself. So you just have to be smart about what you can and can't do. Um, And that's very difficult, Nicole, like, because I want to do all this stuff. I have all these ideas and I want to do it. I know I can do some of it, but what happens is, you know, I'll have this program over here. I'll have this program over here. And then somebody else will give me more responsibility to do this thing over mm-hmm. here. And now all these cool programs that I did, I can't scale it and I can't create these, these quick hit videos or these things, you know, on a regular basis because I don't have time and I get burned out and things like that. So you have to worry well, about that and think about that. And that makes me think of two things. You know, one, we sort of started talking about these all these leadership roles that are out there and like mm-hmm. that head of community that director that vp like that person's job is really to figure out hey our community team could do a hundred things yeah. it would all be amazing to help our customers strategically what makes sense yeah. what order should they happen in how you know where do we do it the most but the other thing is that i think organizations really need to be prepared that when you hire that person or those couple of people that team is going to need to regularly scale because as you launch each of these programs, hmm. it's very hard to go to your community members and say, Hey, we know you love this thing, but we don't have bandwidth this quarter. So we're just going to put it on hold. <laughs> right. Like a community becomes a living organism. If, yeah. if you go in and say, we're going to stop supporting our forums, users probably aren't going to stop posting there. Right. They're probably not going to stop having those conversations. They're just going to be frustrated that you're not as engaged. Yeah. And so I think that's another key thing is for 
you know, teams and leaders to be prepared that like, I'm going to hire this person. They're going to come in they're going to put it together a strategic plan of how we can build this out and make it more. But then as those programs launch, we're going to need to hire additional people to keep those yep. programs going. It's most of these things are not something that you can set and forget. And that's one of the real keys with communities. These are things that are very high touch and you can touch hundreds of thousands of people with a smallish team, but you got to be prepared to support it and, and really give some thought to what you do launch. Because once you do, it's out there and it's alive and it, it needs care and attention, whether, you know, you've prioritized it or not. So you've said some smart things today and I appreciate that. Well, thank you. That's pretty good for a, a morning. <laughs> it's great for the morning. I, I, the last thing I'll, I, I think about this is as you kind of scale that team and, and, you know, you do some really cool things in community, you know, the other piece, I think you really, and it's not a big, long conversation we should have today, but it could be is, you know, we have to always think about, you know, as the business, you know, grows or what if it doesn't grow, you know, and, and how do we become, you know, a core piece of the organization because people come and go, leaders come and go. Some leaders believe in it, some leaders don't. And so, you know, you have a scale, you have a, a team of five, seven, eight people, you know, they'll be like, what the hell is this community thing? And what's the value? Seriously, like that's what happens. I mean, it's happened to me. Um, and they'll start cutting, you know, because it's like, oh, you have seven people. Oh my God. You know, like um, the reason I, I bring that up, not to be a downer, but is, is to, you know, as Nicola being the leader has to, when people, new people come in, and, and even, you know, you need help with it, with your staff, I assume, because I would push my staff to be like in front of people uh, all day, every day, as much as possible yeah. to just show the value. What is it, you know, and, and be able to speak their language. You know, you've got to consistently do that and think about that because, you know, you might be on a, a high for three or four years, all these awesome things come up. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get a new CEO and that CEO brings in all their leaders or you get a new marketing leader or I don't know, whatever it is, you know, that and if you're not up here, you know, talking to and, and don't have those column executive sponsors in the day, make sure you're continuously pushing for those that that uh, leadership kind of guidance and support. It's it's so important. Yeah. Well maybe that's something we can dive into more next time because I agree with you. It's it's super important. And how you tell that story and how you show that value is is a big piece of the puzzle. So I think we've got a future podcast right there. Awesome. I like it. Well, Nicole, it's been great. Thanks, yeah, everyone. Yeah, always a pleasure. Coming. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you on. You always say smart things that I appreciate because um, you think you make me think a little bit uh, deeper. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, so your expertise is certainly appreciated on Peers Over Beers. Um, well, thanks, everyone, for coming. I'm Chris Detzel on Peers Over Beers, and... I'm Nicole Saunders. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Nicole. This was a good one. Yeah.